0: Welcome to the Teaching with Inquiry live podcast replay, fitting it all together to make inquiry-based learning accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Today, we are talking all about choice boards. Now, for many of us, we've probably used a choice board. If we didn't before the pandemic, we most likely have definitely used a choice board during the pandemic. Why? Because it is a great strategy for asynchronous learning. However, choice boards also have a place in a face-to-face classroom. And today I wanna talk all about how you can use choice boards in a variety of different ways in your classroom to help differentiate your instruction and simplify some of the things you are doing for your prep and planning. So thank you so much for joining me. My name is Patty, and I am a teacher here in Ontario, Canada. And I'm also the founder of Madly Learning. Every week we have a brand new video podcast and YouTube show that comes out that talks all about teaching in the junior grades. It is our hope that through these videos, we can help to simplify your teaching to make it more fun and engaging for both you and your students. So let's dig right in and talk about choice boards. Now a choice board is essentially a menu. Often we're putting a table on a one-page piece of paper and their students have choice of a variety of activities. They can sort of choose their own adventure in terms of how they are going to complete the different activities on the choice board. Sometimes we want them to complete all of the activities on the choice board. Sometimes we simply just want them to choose a number of activities. These are great strategies for differentiating your instruction because you can put a variety of ways that can hit on students' strengths in that choice board. It allows students to demonstrate the set of skills that you are assessing, but gives them a choice in terms of how they are going to be presenting their knowledge to you. These are not simply just throwaway activities that we can do to keep them busy. These Choice boards can be a rigorous way that we can get students to practice the skills we are trying to get them to do in our classrooms each and every day. The biggest benefit, number one reason why I love choice boards, is one choice board will cover a variety of days, which means you can cut down on some of your prep and planning. They're simply easier to put together than even a full work page, and it allows us to use it for more than one day. Whenever we can do something that lasts for more than one day, it means we have less planning to do day after day after day. So that's number one reason why I love choice boards. Number two, I am a big proponent of choice in voice in the classroom. I want my students to have a variety of ways in which they can demonstrate the same type of knowledge and skills. Choice Board allows me to do that. I love using inquiry-based learning in my classroom and Choice Boards are a great way to allow students to show you their learning, but also having a choice and a voice as to how that's going to happen in your classroom. So I want to break down three main ways that we can use choice boards in our classroom. And hopefully some of these ways might be a little bit different or have you thinking differently about how choice boards can be used in your face-to-face classroom. The first, let's use them for practice, for independent work centers and practice type activities. This is where we will give our students things in centers, or we'll give them a variety of activities that they can choose some of the activities within the choice boards to complete. And when they complete these activities, they will then be ready to show mastery of a skill. We don't necessarily need to be assessing each and every activity that's happening in the choice board, but we should have a follow-up activity that does assess their mastery of that skill that was practiced during the activity in the choice board. Independent work centers choice boards are great for subjects like math where you would put word problems in each of the choice board boxes and from there you would have students select a number of problems that they would have to solve from within that choice board. You can also do things like putting games or math games if working with technology or working with manipulatives happens to be a task in one of your math centers Putting a choice board of games or a hands-on activities that students can do to complete, that students can do to practice what it is that they are studying for that week, what the focus is for that week, that is another activity to do. Adding QR codes to that choice board will make it a lot easier for students to quickly link to the site you want them to link to instead of having to click on a... URL within it or type out a URL. If you simply add a QR code into those choice boards students can scan the QR code and go straight to the digital activity that you want them to be engaged in. Another way that I like to use choice boards is to think about flipping the way we do textbook work. What if you took that textbook review page that you're normally used to assigning and you broke up those questions and put them into a choice board and then you told your students that they needed to do four out of the six choices on that choice board. That would mean that they would have some choice as to which questions they would do first. They would still be doing most of the textbook questions, but it would still be their direction. They would get to choose which way they're doing. They would have some choice there as to which questions they could skip, which questions they would do first, and it would give them a bit more ownership on getting them to do that type of activity. Independent work centers in language is great for using a choice board for things like spelling and grammar options thinking about different rules that we want our students to learn about in grammar, giving them a choice board with different grammar rules that they would have to complete an activity to learn that rule or maybe even complete an activity and then do a quiz. If we had a learning path that was associated with each aspect of the choice board, students could pick which activity they would do when and it would allow them to determine which grammar skill they need to start with and which one they would need the most practice with, and they could work through it at their own pace. For us as the teacher, it means they're still hitting all of the expectations, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we are determining the order and the need in which they're doing first. So if they need to practice their capital letters first, they would do that activity in the choice board. If they need to practice different types of sentences in the punctuation, they could do that activity. That would be something where you could plan a choice board. It would take you a bit to plan, but think about the results. If you had a grammar choice board, you would plan it once and you would have nine weeks of activities that your students could complete and you wouldn't have to plan it again. No one says that when we're using a choice board, it means that every single student needs to do the same thing at the same time. But using a choice board, we can be responsive to our student needs and allow them to choose what they need to work on the most. At the end of that cycle, our goal is to have it all done. And that we will have assessment for our students based on all of those different things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have every student in our classroom learn about one concept at the same time. We can expand how long it's going to take for them to learn it and give them more time to do it and have them work through all of the activities we need them to work through at their own pace. The second way I like to do choice boards is for questioning. Now whenever we are getting our students to, we're asking and having them ask and answer questions, I think a choice board is a great idea to do this. The number one thing I like to use choice boards for here is about reading comprehension questions. We are forever asking our students to demonstrate their comprehension with their reading by asking, answering a variety of questions in open response type format. A lot of us are doing that here because it's what students are tested on and they have to learn that format of response. So because we are teaching them different comprehension strategies and how to answer a variety of different types of questions, we can use a choice board as a way to get our students to answer those questions. Think about a choice board where every question on the choice board is related to an overall expectation for your reading curriculum. You have a general question that you put for making connections or making inferences, analyzing text, determining point of view. You have one general question that could be used for a variety of texts and you put that in a choice board. Now, for your reading response centers, you can now provide them with this choice board, and students can choose the reading strategy that they used the most when they were reading and answer the question in a way that makes sense. I always like to think about it this way not every student is going to understand or have experience doing the same things. If you were to read a book about a family going camping, Some of the students in your classroom might have personal experiences going camping. Therefore, their ability to make connections with that text is going to be far more relevant. However, you might also have students in your class that have never gone camping. If you have never gone camping, it's going to be much more difficult for you to make some real connections because you don't have any experience doing it. For those students, they're gonna rely on different comprehension strategies to understand that text. Things like making inferences and making predictions and asking questions are going to be key comprehension strategies that students without the experience of camping are going to rely on when they're answering that question. If we restrict the one question we ask based on the book we read to one type of reading strategy or one possibility, what it means is we have some students that have the same background experience Being successful in the classroom, and we have other students without that same background experience having a disadvantage when they're walking into that question to begin to answer it. This creates an inequity and some bias in our classroom, which we can avoid. Using a choice board will help us do this. It means that when a student listens or reads a text, they will choose the question that they respond to that best reflects the type of comprehension strategy that they were using. Some are going to be stronger than others. Now, as teachers, we have the responsibility to guide our students to use a variety of those questions. So we may put the parameters on that here is your choice board for reading response questions. It is your responsibility to use a variety of questions. So when you've used that question, check it off and then don't use that question again until you've tried some other questions on the choice board. But having them respond or giving them an open-ended choice as to which questions they're answering makes our classroom just a little less biased and a bit more equitable. It also allows us to differentiate for the students that might need to focus on more simpler comprehension strategies because some of the more complex ones may not be accessible to them at this point. They may need a bit more experience before they're ready to handle that. Because there is choice built into these types of questions, it makes differentiation that much easier for our students who have different learning needs in our rooms. It's also choice with questioning is also a great strategy when you're thinking about inquiry. When we think about inquiry, we always are leading our lessons with questions. However, our students can also have a blank choice board that they can put the questions they have that relate to the different topics that we're studying. For instance, if you are teaching about the human body, you might have a blank questioning board that your students could write in nine of their questions that they're hoping to be able to answer. Those questions can then be answered as you are learning along the way and they can begin to check it off kind of like a bingo that their goal is to then figure out the answers to the questions that they put in the choice board. Choice boards don't always have to be created by us and we can allow our students and get our students to be the producers of this content by making their own targets and goals in a choice board. It's a different way to look at success criteria and questioning when it comes to inquiry, but it's a great way to kind of gamify that inquiry and success criteria for your students. Another option for questioning and using choice boards is what if we used a choice boards for tests? Now think about this for a little bit. I remember back in university, we would have exams, and we would often have choice in those exams. We would. I remember very vividly a exam where I had three questions I need to answer for the final exam. Three essays that needed to be written. Each topic was given a variety. Each question had a variety of subjects in which I could write the essay from. I had a choice as to which of the five questions for question number one, which of the five questions I was going to answer in an essay question. What if we did the same thing for our students? that we gave them questions to answer for a test and they had a choice of which questions they were to answer they didn't have to answer all of them but we knew that the questions that we put on the choice board if they answered one from each row of the choice board it would be enough to demonstrate their understanding of the content we needed to assess We don't always need to make sure that every student in our classroom demonstrates the same product as every other student in our room. Our job is to assess the skills and the expectations. The product is just the method in which they're going to demonstrate that expectation. So we can have some choice built into the product that our students are creating when we focus on assessment of skills instead of assessment of products. The final way that I would use choice boards is to think about your success criteria and learning goals. If at the beginning of a unit, you had your success criteria or your learning goals for that topic laid out in a choice board, and students could look at that choice board and know, here are all of the things that I need to complete in order to be successful, There is an amount of gamification here when we're talking about choice boards as a checklist or that they have to get a bingo or they have to pick one out of each row. They take ownership for their learning because now they're in control of what they do when. If we had success criteria for the topics that we're teaching and we put it in a choice board and we allowed students to determine the path in which they had to follow, which activities they would do when, it allows us to do a little bit more small group work and some facilitation, but it also puts the ownership and responsibility of learning on our students. They get to decide what they do when. They get to determine how they're going to accomplish that goal. We give them the parameters. We say these are the things that you need to be able to do. So think about teaching multiplication for math. You need to use a variety of strategies and be able to multiply numbers up to 12 times 12. So you could break that down and say you need to know your one to three times tables, your four to six times tables, your seven to ten, and your eleven and twelve times tables. And we put that in one row of the choice board. We also say that they want to use a variety of multiplication strategies. What if we put those strategies on the list and they got to determine which ones they used? They didn't have to do all of them, but they could use the box method or the standard algorithm or they could use a number line. We put all of those on there and laid it out and said, you need to pick two of these strategies to master. They could practice a few. We could go through them all as a class, but in terms of the strategies they're going to competently be able to use to solve multiplication problems... They pick two of them. We're putting the decision-making power of what our students do and how they're going to learn in their hands. Learning in our classrooms then becomes far less of a passive experience and it becomes more of them being responsible for their learning. The minute we can put our students in charge of their own learning and put the responsibility of success on them it becomes more engaging. Our students are more invested. Now we have a very important role here in that we have to hold them accountable. We have to make sure that they're working through this and support them through this journey. But we don't always have to be the one that makes all the choices, all the decisions, and all the rules. Are you a leader or are you a boss? And I think that's really what we're looking for. Choice boards embedded into all aspects of our teaching, or at least into more aspects of our teaching, make us better teachers. Because it helps us to put choice and voice with our students, differentiate our instruction, and provide more opportunities for success for our students. So I would encourage you to find two ways this week that you can add a choice board into learning for your students and see whether or not your students embrace the ability to take control of their learning. I hope you've gotten a few ideas of how you can use more choice boards in your face-to-face classrooms and that you have something that you can take away with and that your students can benefit from. Thank you so much for joining me and we will see you next week for another video. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Inquiry live podcast replay. You can find the links, resources, and more information from today's episode at www.teachingwithinquiry.com. Don't forget, you can always catch this show live on Facebook every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Madly Learning Facebook page. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Inquiry live.